0: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today, I'm in Washington, D.C. with my friend Hillary Rosen. She's a political strategist for SKDK Knickerbocker. Hey, Hillary, you're also a CNN analyst.
1: Hey, Kara, happy How How to be here.
0: Great. So, I'm going to explain Hillary's presence. She doesn't just follow me around. This month, we're trying to do something. I a- do. Yes, you, you do. Uh, so we're going to do something a little different here on Rico Decode. Every Wednesday for the next four weeks, Hillary and I will be tag teaming an interview with a really interesting person in the political world. Could be media, could be anything, but it related to politics, as Hillary is a longtime political pro here in Washington. And every month we're going to have a different, for our extra Rico Dicos, we're going to have a different co host with me on different topics, which brings us to today. So welcome, Hillary. Thanks Do you have anything Cara. to say to the listeners?
1: Washington is a very exciting place right now. Scary it is and swampy.
0: Swampy. It's super swampy. Very
1: super swampy. hundred
0: percent more swampy. Um, and obviously, a lot of the stuff in the news has to do with uh, with the tech world. Is is its involvement in Washington, which it hoped never to happen, and now it's full scale tech this week.
1: I think we've never seen this kind of scrutiny on the tech industry, certainly, but probably not since post-2008, the scrutiny on the banking industry. Right, right. Have we seen this kind of anxiety around the impact of a particular industry So t- go through for, for
0: listeners who don't maybe are paying that much, what's the stuff that tech is really focused right now? There's been a bill. So go through the couple of things that have been going on.
1: So there are multiple areas, and we've got great guests here today to talk about them, but- If you go down the list of sort of what people are looking at, it's the role that the social media companies played in the election, both on the paid advertising side, as well as the social media content content side, the so-called fake news, but not just fake news, but also trading information and using false identities for content. Then there is the, The, the Russian problem, the Russian problem. Then there is the actual uh, investigation of the Trump administration officials, and what role they may have played in colluding mm-hmm. with Russia or anyone else in using the uh, internet using the internets, yeah, the the worldwide webs yeah,
0: invented here and used against us
1: um, in this election. And then there's the antitrust issues and consumer problems that people are talking about. Whether some of these companies have gotten too big to regulate. Mm-hmm. The so called is Amazon creating jobs or killing jobs mm-hmm. question. Um, and Luther is going um,
0: well, to help Go. us on,
1: on some of those questions. Mm-hmm. And then there is the can you regulate tech at all or is right. it too big to regulate?
0: And should you? Because And of innovation. should you
1: regulate? You know, for years the tech industry has said if you regulate us, you're going to kill innovation. We're too complicated. We're based on algorithms. Mm -hmm. We're based on engineering. This is not an area where Washington has traditionally had any expertise. And that line has worked for a long time. And And people are wondering whether or not that will still work. The most recent legislation got a lot of play uh, just this week introduced by Senator Warner and Senator Klobuchar, which would essentially create transparency in Advertising the way that they have in broadcast television, you have to disclose who you are advertising for when you involve yourself in a political campaign. That's never happened online. And this is
0: going to air last thing on November first. So what? And there's going to be a hearing where?
1: So there are a series of hearings that are uh, probably going to take place. The first one is November first in the Intelligence Committee where. Uh, Facebook, Google, and Twitter are being called to testify on this social media component, both the paid and content side of it that we discussed. I think you're going to start to see some hearings on some of the antitrust issues raised by Amazon and others in terms of size and impact on consumers. And I expect that over the course of the next two years – we're going to see a lot more hearings and a lot, a lot more, more investigations. It depends on who's in office.
0: We're going to talk yeah. all about that and more. We have great people to talk about. Hillary, thank you for that primer. So it's trouble for tech right now.
1: A little bit of trouble for
0: tech. Trouble for tech. For yeah. tech. They feel so badly. They're like delicate flowers, so we'll see what happens to them. All right. Today in the red chair, we have two great guests to talk about this. First up is Luther Lowe, the vice president of public policy at Yelp, and you you have been very active in it for years now. And we'll talk about your background. And everything. He's been at Yelp since 2008, so a longtime Yelper. Also joining us in the studio is Beth Wilkinson, the co-founder of apparently the hottest Washington D see boutique law firm in the country it actually is wilkinson walsh and Escovitz. uh beth recently worked for facebook on the oculus case and a whole bunch of others she's a prosecutor um was a prosecutor was, pro- was a prosecutor has but so knows a lot about this and so we're going to talk about all these things luther and beth welcome to recode decode All right. So I'm going to go with your backgrounds first. um, And then we'll get into it. Hillary will have a whole bunch of questions of where we're going, because there's so many topics here to to go into. And I want to focus mostly on that. But I want uh, listeners to get a sense of who you are. So Beth, why don't you start, uh, give us a brief sort of bio, and especially around the prosecutorial stuff, but people you deal with now uh, on all kinds of cases.
2: Sure. Uh, Like most women, I started my career as an Army lawyer. Uh (laughs) Um, I was in ROTC in college and worked here at the Pentagon on national security Mm -hmm. and special operations law, which one would think um, really has no applicability uh, in the real world, but turned out to be very useful, and I prosecuted Cases up in New York, Eastern District of New York, and probably the biggest case was the Oklahoma City bombing case Mm -hmm. uh, involving Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. Mm -hmm. And now I've been in private practice for almost 20 years, try all kinds of cases for all kinds of clients, uh, bet the company cases, and white-collar investigations, and I would say the topics we're going to talk about today cover all of those.
0: So you're getting a lot of attention in that area, and you represented Facebook Mm -hmm. publicly in the Oculus trial around. You do all kinds of different litigation. Yes, anything
2: that goes to trial, we we will take.
0: Okay. Luther?
3: Thanks for having me on, Kara. Um, So I've been at Yelp. I'm a dinosaur at Yelp. been there for nine (laughs) years, but prior to that, I worked in uh, democratic politics and uh, I guess most notably with uh, General Wesley Clark, helping him with the memoir and um, really had a lot of friends in the democratic political scene. And so as Yelp was growing and as we became more uh, active in Washington, they sort of looked around and said, hey, you're the, you're the political guy at the office. Why don't you sort of take some of this on? And so uh, I think now as the zeitgeist around big tech and antitrust have, have gotten a lot bigger, um, you know, work got work's gotten a lot busier.
0: Yeah, and you're you're very known for your very pushing the the not the agenda of Yelp so much, but sort of attacks. I don't want to say attacks; it's not fair. You're really well known for not giving up on this issue around Google, especially and, and other companies that have gotten too big.
3: Well, I hope. Th- that's the case. We try to uh, really advocate on behalf of the consumer. We really tried to reframe the argument not around sort of company A versus company B, but really articulate this in the terms of how are consumers being harmed.
0: All right, so let's get started on some of the issues. So uh, there's so much here happening. Um, why don't – give us a little background because most – tech has not been really attacked in a long time. Like I think Microsoft, I think people are using that term. So if you could just give a little background. Everyone knows that Microsoft monopoly trial, but why don't you talk about it and then sort of give us the scene. And, Luther, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too.
2: Sure. I mean I think it goes back to what Hillary's saying. When a company or an industry gets so big and so powerful – it's just an, a knee-jerk reaction of the government to start investigating in any way they can. And sometimes their competitors come in to help, which is often true in the antitrust context. But, you know, the Department of Justice can come in uh, in the criminal area, U.S. attorneys around the country. It can, you know, interact these days with tech all the time and requesting information, which I think is a huge we'll talk about that issue too. for mm-hmm. tech and problem. And we've seen that controversy with Apple and the government and many other uh, players in tech. Um, You know, I think there's a focus in the government on, sadly, what's on the front page when they use their investigative resources, and that's the same for the FBI. And there can be that perfect storm, and I think that's where tech is right now. I mean, they are in the crosshairs of the government. You have Congress adding to that, and you have testimony, which uh, is being requested, as we just heard from Hillary, and that puts kind of these companies in a very difficult place where they want to cooperate publicly and they're being investigated privately.
0: So why now? What what has happened? Is it just the power of tech or is it the mood? Because most, most Democratic and Republican sides have been pro-tech, very pro-tech. And this has been the biggest area of innovation in the country, I think we can pretty much say.
2: Well, I think it's both. I think people are scared of the companies being so big. Um, and I think You know, we saw this with the Google investigation by the FTC, which I will disclose I was brought in by the government to work on that. Uh, And there was a lot of animosity even in the the tech own community about the power of some of the companies. And so I think that's just grown over time. And with the new administration, uh, I think there's a new focus. There was a sense that the Democrats, President Obama and his team were very sophisticated in tech and had a relationship with some of the companies friendly friendly might be a way to describe it <laughs> I'll say it somebody might call it cozy I don't <laughs> know and uh, I don't think they have that same relationship with our current administration so yeah. I think it's all those kind of factors coming together
0: all right Luther your thoughts on how this we got here because you've I, been banging away at this drum for a long time
3: sure I agree with Beth as well I think that um, what I would add is maybe the, just the levels of concentration particularly by Google and Facebook have increased you know Last year, $0.99 cents of every new dollar in online advertising went to Google or Facebook. The year before that, it was $0.85. Cents. And so we just see, you know, going back to the last sort of attempt at an investigation five years ago with the FTC, all of these sort of assumptions that went into both opening and closing that investigation have not have not really aged well. You know, if you're uh, an antitrust enforcer in you're deciding whether or not to shut something down. You shut it down after you've been adequately convinced, hey, you know, the market's competitive and, you know, things are going to be okay. There's going to be new, you know, two guys in a garage starting some disruptor and everything's going to, you know, the market's going to take care of itself. But that's clearly not the case. Things are getting more concentrated. And that's very interconnected with these issues around sort of Russia. I think some, so that, you know, I think that is emerging as as a major issue about just concentration generally. And then you had this issue with uh, the New America Foundation. Uh, you Explain know. that for me. So there was a team of folks that worked on antitrust and concentration issues at the uh, sort of left leaning New America Foundation, which happened to receive uh, over twenty million dollars from Google, Eric Schmidt, and his family.
0: Who's the chairman of
2: Google?
3: And so we had a. We, what we learned is that uh, after they put out a 150-word statement praising the European Commission's enforcement action against Google, uh, there was a phone call apparently made between Eric Schmidt and Marie Slaughter, the head of the foundation, uh, and then subsequently the 10-person team was uh, spun off. They were effectively uh, fired. And so a lot of uh, gray area around was this sort of – a. a you know did schmidt call him this hit of this team i i don't know yeah. uh what did he get what, what he paid for exactly and so so that i think um raised a lot of awareness on the left where google tr- at least has traditionally um had a lot of fans and then like within three weeks of that you had this james Damore anti-diversity memo come out of google and i right. think that's kind of like erupted the the bannonite crew where you have folks who are just saying oh all these silicon valley tech firms want to shut down right-wing views. And so it's sort of this perfect storm, this convergence around uh, on both polls.
1: We should kind of start off the Facebook at Hillary? Yeah, let's go there, this perfect storm around tech, because I'm wondering whether either of you think that if Hillary Clinton had won the election, whether we would still be in this situation. So in other words, is this organic due to size and dominance and consumer impact, or is this really an outgrowth of, people's frustration at the ele- outcome of the election?
2: I think it's the former. I don't think – I think it could have easily happened if Hillary Clinton were the president. I think the sexual – She was not as friendly to tech. She, she, was, she wasn't. She got money
0: I, from them, but didn't get a lot, and, and it wasn't the same kind of love affair. A
2: lot of people in her team, though, were, yeah. were former. I don't think – uh, what I think the problem is uh, – Luther alluded to this – is the Democrats were friendly with tech, and they thought they were politically aligned in terms of gender issues. And, Carrie, you've always – talked about tech and how they can seem to solve every problem except for gender Mm -hmm. parity. And so I think stripping away Mm -hmm. and showing all the true gender problems they have from just pay equity to uh, sexual harassment, it's disarmed the Democrats. And they can't really come to the defense of tech anymore. So I do think that is a perfect storm along with the concentration issues. And I don't think it really does matter. People want to blame this current administration. I think they are always looking... Um, for high-profile cases, but prosecutors don't really care about the politics. They care about the high-profile nature of the case and whether it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have happened either way.
3: I. It's a great question. I think about this a lot. I was, you know, very personally involved in the Clinton campaign, raising a lot of money and trying to uh, internally make sure that they were strong on antitrust. I think there were some sort of folks that were trying to ride from the Obama administration into a future Clinton administration and have that chummy relationship with Silicon Valley that I think would have resisted calls for at least antitrust enforcement. Um, but I do think there were signals from the cam- from her campaign that showed that she was would, would have taken it seriously. I know there are folks like Senator Warren that were kind of holding uh, you know, the, the campaign's feet to the fire and saying these issues are important. I mean, it's it's really hard to say, but I you can't help but think that the Trump election has really kind of poured gasoline on everything and, and created. It's a really this. good way of
0: putting it. Yeah, I mean, there there wouldn't have been a Russian investigation, uh-huh. right? Because she would have won, but it wouldn't have been
1: unlikely. Although somebody might have discovered it at some point, and it would have it would have raised just as many issues. Maybe the Republicans would have raised it. Um,
2: well, it was out the, there. I mean, the the Obama administration knew it; they just didn't talk about it. So I think it would have been discovered. At, and Clinton would have had to discuss it if she became president. I mean, it's a fundamental violation of our electoral process, and I don't think it's that he got elected. It's that there was interference, period, in the election. And let's
1: go to some of the um, uh, impact of the Russia investigation. I think that antitrust issues you raised, Luther, are really, really important, and I do think that there's a huge amount of consumer pressure on that, so I definitely want to get to that. But... When you think about an uh, an investigation, this isn't just one investigation. This is multiple investigations. And Beth, if you are in these companies and you're trying to be transparent, because that's sort of the buzzword of the day, we we ought to be. You know, we saw Sheryl Sandberg in town last week, and we've seen Jack Dorsey out there, on Twitter, Facebook and, and Twitter, we, no. Facebook and Twitter. We've seen, you know, Sundar talk about transparency. Everybody is talking about these companies needing to be more transparent which means the public and the press want to see the ads. They want to know about the fake identities. They want to know where the money transfers are. They want to know who's buying and circulating among all of these uh, networks. But if you're inside these companies and you've got Bob Mueller, the special investigator, looking at this, you have Congress looking at this, what do you do? How do you balance the public's desire to know everything versus – What they're really worried about, which is the bottom
2: line and protecting themselves legally. Well, first, I think we should be careful not to always call it Silicon Valley or tech, Mm -hmm. because some of these companies handle it quite differently and have different issues. And
0: also, they're not involved. I mean, I was just talking to people, both Apple and Microsoft, and they're they're like, we don't got nothing to do with this, but we're getting, you know, it's the virus. They call it the viral contagion. Like it does over all of tech. I mean, Apple might have a problem later if there's some encryption issue, but
2: right and even the ones that are involved have different different ways of handling it mm-hmm. um, the other thing i'd like to say this aren't this isn't new this is a tech problem i'll go back to you know <laughs> putting them all in the same category this happens to industries all the time where there's multiple investigations i mean this is what we do in other lawyers where the government's investigating you there's private plaintiffs who want to sue you there's different government investigators and congress Think back to the financial crisis. The banks were all dragged down here, put in front of Congress. They were investigated by prosecutors. So tech thinks when it's happening to them, it's the you know, biggest outrage. Oh, my gosh. Of course. But, you know, they're just too young to know that it's. I'm old, so I know that it's happened mm-hmm. to all these industries. Really good point. Mm-hmm. And so there are people out there that know how to counsel people like Hillary and others that uh, know that what you need to do is, first of all, you need to figure out what's really going on in your own company. I think people sometimes talk too quickly, and then they are correcting themselves, and that's a huge problem in front of the public. It's a huge problem in front of prosecutors who look for consistency. So you need to figure out what's really going on in your company, come up with what, you know, I don't even want to call it a message, because it has to be what's yeah. really happening. And then you do have to be transparent. Because you're you're a public company, the public will not tolerate it. So you have to testify in front of Congress. I think the companies that are involved are smart. They have their general counsels who are some extraordinary people. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go into the government and cooperate. But how you do that, you need good advice from seasoned professionals because you don't just go in and start talking because often you will go in and say things that are wrong because you haven't done your homework, you haven't been tested, you haven't gone gone through a murder board. You saw it with
0: Twitter just recently in the... I, yeah, short, the short beginning part, they didn't – They looked like they hadn't done their homework in any way whatsoever.
2: And so people start to think that you're not being truthful when you haven't been careful and thorough and you shoot first and aim later, as they say. And I think that's a huge mistake for companies who haven't interacted in D.C. with the political arm and with prosecutors.
0: Uh, Luther, they've been raising a lot of lobbying money for uh, – the, the numbers have been going up rather precipitously for all these companies
3: certainly and and I think I would even go back to the 2010 was when the FEC was originally looking at a lot of these questions around how is and how should a a platform like Facebook or Google disclose political advertising disclose who the purchaser of that political ad is along the lines of what we see in sort of a a, a television ad and the written submissions of these companies was kind of laughable. It was saying, well, these we should be treated like the, the buttons and the pencils because, you know, the ads are so small that we can't put a disclosure there. But, of course, these are technologists that could easily create sort of mouse overs or interstitials or ways to to get that information there. And so I think that you sort of have to go back seven years to those discussions with the FEC uh, to, to see where the this problem began. And that's then, the
1: Federal Election Commission, Commission yeah. which you, is pretty, tooth- oh, you watch, <laughs> pretty toothless. Yeah. It
3: is pretty toothless. You're right. that's, that's also part of the problem. But then you sort of couple that with the amount of concentration. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, there's a reason that this type of problem didn't happen in 2012, 2008. There's just been so much more concentration uh, within these industries, and we are sort of, as a society, two uh, fish sitting in kind of these two information barrels and it just makes the the target a lot easier
0: all right when we get back we'll talk more about that the the, the growth and power and also how little washington really does know about what's happening in tech and in the last part i do want to talk about what's coming ai self-driving and stuff like that because that hits i mean steve case wrote a book on this um talking about that soon there's going to be some real problems and now there are but first uh if you're enjoying this interview then you should check out one of our other podcasts recode media with peter kafka peter who did you talk to this week
3: Kara, first of all, I just want to say hello. It's nice to be in the same room with you. It's very exciting. Kara, mm-hmm. this Thursday in New York City, I'll be talking to Joe Hagan, who mm-hmm. wrote Sticky Fingers. It's a new biography of oh. Rolling Stone's Jan I don't Wenner. I like that
0: title, but okay. Jan Wenner
3: doesn't like anything about the book. <laughs> he, he pitched the book to Joe and then has disowned him, so it's very controversial oh. and much wow. more exciting to talk about.
0: And then also, what else?
3: Oh, man, we have so much good content on so the Recode good Media Feed. We do. Um, We just talked to Jimmy Kimmel recently. We also talked to Michael Barbaro. who's the host of the New York Times' fantastically successful daily podcast. Big,
0: big, huge numbers.
3: Huge numbers. One hundred million downloads. and he came Explain to talk what that to us. is. They
0: tell it. They that is. They have the reporters come in. And check it is a out.
3: thing that I thought would never work, which is the New York Times reporters talking about their stuff every day. It turns mm-hmm. out it's fantastically successful as it should be. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's well produced. It's really interesting. Yeah. Actually, you don't have to read the paper, but I do anyway.
3: No, it it adds to the paper. It does. It, makes it you really want to read the does. Paper more. Yes, I love it. Fantastic. This has been an ad for the New York Times.
0: This has been an ad for the New York Times. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're here with my special co-host, Hillary Rosen, who's going to be here for four weeks in the month of November. November is an election month, so it's also a political month. And Hillary is an (laughs) expert on politics, and she's going to be co-hosting a whole series of shows we're doing. Um, Our guests today are Luther Lowe from Yelp. He runs their public policy arm. Uh, Yelp has been a very active and vocal – one of the few companies in Silicon Valley that's been vocal – talking about the the growing power of companies like Google and Facebook. Um, and Beth Wilkinson, who is a hotshot lawyer who's represented some of these companies, also prosec- have been involved in, in various things on both sides of this. Um, and we're talking about the, the the problems that tech is facing. I think it's been in the news a lot lately. We talked a little bit, Hillary asked, about the, the Clinton administration. Who in the Trump administration is leading this? Now, I know Donald Trump made a lot of anti-tech remarks on the on the campaign trail, and I don't think he knows almost anything about tech or science or things like that, but I think he has a lizard brain for understanding trouble. You know what I mean? like I think he has identifying something that people feel about tech or, or is a good, it's a good target. So can you t- each talk about that sort of this administration and their thoughts about this, and where is there any organization to to going against uh, big tech?
2: Well, I think you're right. The president realizes the same way he touched on his base that there are people out there that are afraid of tech, whether Mm -hmm. they're taking the jobs or they don't know how to use tech. And there's a huge divide between Silicon Valley and D.C. and how people understand it. Um, You know, it starts at the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions, who I think the attorney general wants to do what the president wants him to do because they've been in this odd fight over other issues. Rod Rosenstein, who's the deputy attorney general, is a career prosecutor, With a lot of respect in the community. Um, So there's a whole group of people out there who will take their cues from more the media, I would say, than even the president Mm -hmm. in terms of investigating these issues. And then there are the antitrust division, which looks at the issues, and the FTC. They just announced uh, my former partner, Joe Simons, from Paul Weiss, is going to be the head of the FTC. I think you're going to get a very different set of concerns or investigations there, though, because you have a Republican libertarian view towards mergers and acquisitions. So I think it'll come down more to the criminal prosecutors uh, who will be investigating this. Of course, you have Mueller, who is an extraordinary lifetime uh, prosecutor. And he's hired kind of the dream team of people who will do everything they can to make sure that they've investigated, you know, their charge. um, So it won't be the White
0: House. Do they have any points of view? Because he he was he, he attacked almost every tech company at some point.
2: Well, in a, a normal administration, the White House would no, have no uh, contact whatsoever with the Department over investigations. That mm-hmm. is Verboten, and um, he seems to have tried that early on with the whole firing of Jim Comey. And I think, I think they've rolled him back a bit. I can't say that I think that that wouldn't happen again. I'm sure the people at the Justice Department don't want his interference, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that. What will about stop public him. attacks? Is that create, he can do that? I mean, can... and I don't. We all see it, but on he doesn't Twitter, affect
0: Congress or any or things like
2: that. I don't. What do you think? Luther? I, mean, I think politi- he does
3: politically. I think this whole issue, the Russia stuff, puts them in a in, in the Republicans in an interesting place because you know whereas their president was you know bashing Amazon because he doesn't like Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post writing some expose about which his he links together almost. <laughs> he continually. just sort of conflates it all. And then uh, one interesting thing that I think was underreported was the fact that. On the day of the European Commission's record fine against Google, I mean, this is the guy who's sort of gone around the world branding himself as Mister Pro America, and you know, uh, not uh, afraid of finger wagging at any other country or foreign company. And uh, they get asked on the on this record fine day, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, hey, what does uh, this sort of America First president think about this giant? these Eurocrats cracking down on this popular U.S. company. And her response was, we're not going to get into this private company matter. And you imagine that happening last year. Uh, you know, the Obama administration – the Obama you interviewed, yeah, he, he said the to to you, He made the the news with you exactly. We were
0: very and America first on that issue. They would have
3: had the they would have had John Kerry, the O. S. T. P. They would have had everybody lined up, ready to finger wag and call it protectionism. And here you had the White House just clearly making a conscientious effort to to sort of stay silent and and let that speak volumes. And then you've got you know this this Russia stuff. There's clearly among that kind of Bannonite crew a resentment and paranoia around. Silicon Valley, its employees, the political leanings of its employees uh, who say these they can't be trusted, they need to be regulated and broken up. You're reading these sort of accounts of Bannon saying this stuff.
0: Utilities is the
3: word he used. Exactly. And and then you have, uh, um, you know, in doing that and sort of making those claims, in some ways you're you're adding fodder to the, the Russia meme. You're saying, you're implicitly admitting that, you know, Russia may be, uh, you know, have used these tools in a way to help. Uh, Trump. So that it,
1: that is the catch twenty two that I think members of Congress are facing right now, per, uh, Republican members of Congress, because even though it is Democrats that have been traditionally cozier with Silicon Valley, as Beth alluded to earlier, because of the perception of sort of social and progressive mm-hmm. values being more aligned, the Republicans now are caught between if they start to attack these companies and if they start to attack social media. Are they in, in and of itself admitting that the election is not legitimate? And so there is this kind of back and forth. We'll see uh, at these intelligence hearings that we referenced earlier on November 1st, Chairman Burr, Richard Burr, Senator from North Carolina, who's actually the chair of the committee. We've seen Mark Warner be a lot more vocal about this issue, but he's actually not the chair of the committee. Uh, and we we'll see how these – Republican senators deal with what is very obvious in terms of evidence of of Russian interference, and but they've all been fairly quiet about it.
2: Mm-hmm. I just think we want to also focus on what the government can do that's scary that has nothing to do with investigations mm-hmm. and using tech. Right. I mean, there are statistics out there, articles by other uh, journalists that uh, the government is using its powers to request information that could seem like political so talk you know, about intervention. That. So there's a company called uh, DreamHost, and the government has demanded 1.3 million IP addresses of people who were involved with the protests at the inauguration, mm-hmm. which I just yeah. find you know, chilling, the fact that people who are exercising, again, their First Amendment right, now you're getting a government request to this company. They are using federal requests to find out about immigrants and data that the tech company have on immigrants. You have this whole issue of search warrants with phones. You know, Microsoft did an extraordinary job in the Second Circuit, the court that oversees the New York federal courts saying the government shouldn't be allowed to get a warrant to take data that was stored over in Ireland. And they won that case and the, the warrant was not allowed to be issued or executed. And then the Supreme Court just accepted the government's request to have that her- case reheard. That's a big issue. The go- Supreme Court doesn't normally ask to hear a case if they agree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Microsoft in the tech world is concerned about that. The number of requests to the companies—I um, think there's an article that 26 of the biggest tech companies have had more than twice the request for data in this year alone than they had the last year. So I think those requests are talked about now more by the government, and I think that's that's cause for concern. And those are FBI the, requests, right? That's what I, when I say government, I mean subpoenas. You know, things that the government thinks they're allowed to. And request. why is that? Well, because tech is taking over like in the old days. You know, when I was a prosecutor, you could get phone records very easily. Right. Just the, to, like I the called you. the thing, Right. right? That, they don't really need those from phone companies anymore. Now they want all your data that tech has, and tech has a lot more data about mm-hmm. us than a phone company ever had.
0: So is that a function of this administration or just government in general saying what a cornucopia of information we have available here?
2: I think it's both. I mean, I, I can't imagine – Um, a democratic administration asking for the IP addresses of protesters, but I could be wrong. That to me sounds more like an administration focus, and that should cause everybody some real grave concern. Uh, In terms of requesting, you know, more data, I think that is just how the world has evolved. And that's why I think Microsoft and other companies came in and filed a brief supporting them, fought hard on the search warrant that, you know, how would you feel if Ireland or Russia came over and and asked for our data. Mm-hmm. I mean, would we want to give it? That's what the, you know, that's what the uh, government is saying. That even though you have your data stored in Ireland, we should have to cough it up here. Right. Well, I don't, I don't want my data given to the Russians if they come over and make a request. So,
1: can the tech companies successfully conflate those issues to uh, get the public on their side, whereas there may be legitimate reasons to want and be able to identify, for instance. Russian identities and you know, fake identities on Twitter or on, on Facebook. Um, I think they could they and, need and to secured that.
2: They 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 have a long way to go to explaining what they do. And that is their fault. You know, I do that as a trial lawyer. My job is to translate complex concepts to jurors so they understand I don't really know how to do anything else. They need to do that. People yeah. don't understand. And what tech says is, well, Washington doesn't understand. That's true. But it's your job to teach them. Right. And if they don't – Microsoft had that problem many years ago. And it was very costly. That idea of like, well, you don't understand. So we don't need to talk to you. And Luther, Good you
0: point. had a – about this issue.
3: Oh, I was <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I was just going to jump on Hillary's point earlier about the, the political dynamics between the R's and the D's on this that um, – The one, the sole sort of Republican co sponsor at this point on the uh, Honest Ad Act uh, that that Klobuchar and uh, Senator Warner are advancing is McCain, who's not exactly beloved by the the White House right now. So that uh, may also underscore the fact that this this is an awkward issue for uh, Republicans to, to really rally so behind. So where
0: do you go? Because what's interesting is everyone's everywhere on everything. Like, it depends on the topic. You used to sort of know where people were on topics. But you have an administration that's Peter Thiel as an influencer uh, on the president. They tried to bring a lot of these tech people onto these commissions, and they all went off of them. And at the same time, the, we had an interview with um, Cory Booker, which was quite hostile to tech. So it just depends on the issue. How do you navigate that as a lobbyist? Because like, you don't know where – you used to know, it seems like, which side was on which side.
3: You know, I am happy to sort of explain and uh, sit down with anyone who I think could could help uh, sort of move the chains on on the issue of sort of – Addressing the problems of concentration in in the technology world, and so we have to sort of talk to folks on on both sides. And yeah, what's what's sort of weird about the job these days is that you have uh, things that you could almost sort of put quotes and say was this Elizabeth Warren or Steve Bannon that said this, mm-hmm. and that's um, that that's made the year a bit interesting. I'm not sure that sort of Congress at large. I don't know if I mean we we are kind of. Reading, this about, reading about this in the New York Times every day and we're seeing this. Uh, it feels like uh, tech's really under the gun, but, um, you know, it's not... I don't know if that's getting down to every single member of Congress. Like if you... Uh, we had a letter... Uh, that that Keith Ellison uh, told us about after the fact uh, being sent to the FTC asking them to open up all the Google files. And I thought it was kind of surprising. It was just sort of one, a single congressman on that letter that, you know, presumably they circulated it and couldn't get uh, more signatures. So I I don't know how, I I think that there's a lot of uh, goodwill and durability uh, by these individual companies that they built up by providing kind of white glove support uh, so here's, you know, Congressman, is how you manage your Facebook page, or here's, uh, here's how you run your Google ads for your campaign. And um, but the the ultimately, I think this is sort of a, a they're particularly on this upcoming hearing where they're they're uh, sort of having to ask tough answer tough questions about the ads. It, it is sort of a product of their own creation because they are the ones who in 2010 were saying. Oh, treat our ads like buttons and pencils.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Luther just referenced something that I think listeners may not understand that is really, really important, which is that for the last 10 years or so, each of the major tech companies have had an entire – Essentially, um, apparatus, a global assist team mm-hmm. for politicians right. to help them. use. You mean the
0: embedded ones that Facebook did? Yes, tri- to, yeah.
1: to help them use their systems more effectively, and right. oftentimes that was to help them pay for advertising more efficiently, and other times it was just how do you use our free tools better? Right. So that was, you know, tech help that campaigns didn't have to pay for. That members of Congress didn't have to pay for, but that they, you know, effectively used to reach their constituents. Sort of like free cars in so the auto industry. It, but. it would be it would be just like that, yeah. as if Detroit said, "You need to get from campaign to stop to campaign stop, so we're going to give you cars." We're going to lend
2: you cars to do it and show you how to drive. Them. But and, I think that's demonizing—I'll defend the tech companies. I, I, People no, no, no. know what tech does for them. Yeah, I mean, no. it does. I, right. And, and, and of that. I'm
1: saying this without actually without value judgment. It's just that it is a way that they have embedded themselves into the fabric. It's, it's an
3: exertion of soft power, of politics yeah,
1: yeah. that is uh, so, quite important. So,
0: Beth, talk about that that idea because the word embedded when Brad Parcells from the the Trump campaign talked about Facebook, that word was so loaded. I mean it was wrong. It was wrong because they do provide – Everybody, they provide the Democrats, the Republicans. Yes, they and do so it the word across Im- the board
1: politically. But the politically. W-
0: but yeah. word "embedded" and it looked like they were helping the Trump administration was sort of. I, I'm, I'm I mean, assuming they're trying to make it sound devious, right? And I, I think Brad Parsell just wants more business. That, that's what I read for it. But it definitely had resonation because I had a lot of re- readers write me because I said that's ridiculous. They weren't embedded; they were there the whole time.
2: And the the point is, the company's job it is their job to teach the people here in Washington how tech works. But I think tech has a good uh, uh, residue or residual of of goodwill because we all know what tech has done for our lives. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to come in and teach me how to, you know, pay for my political ads. That's helpful. But, you know, I read my iPad. I can go on my Facebook page and talk to my family and friends. I mean, it has transformed life even for those of us that aren't as sophisticated as the people out in Silicon Valley. So I think Congress is treading lightly too because these aren't all one issue. And tech companies have different issues within their own companies, and they come out in different positions depending on, you know, what the particular issue is. Like you were saying at the beginning, you know, Apple and Microsoft aren't really involved with this Russia stuff, and they're like, why are you, you know, hammering me for this? Mm -hmm. So I I think there's a lot of… Um, there's just a level of sophistication that people may not have, but they realize that this isn't just one big issue, and they need to be very careful in regulating or legislating.
1: And and there's one more point to that, which I, I think you mentioned at the outset. Tony Rome of Recode had a good story about this this week, which is that those very same members of Congress who are essentially responsible for oversight and regulation of tech, as they are in every other business, are also now, for instance, Soliciting Amazon to put their new headquarters in their state. Genius by Amazon. So, (laughs) you know, virtually all of the large tech companies have made a significant effort in trying to spread out the jobs across the country to to move them away from just Silicon Valley. And so there is this kind of hope. I, I think of it sometimes as a faint hope, but there's a hope that the innovation will create jobs in their districts Regardless of whether um, that and, actually and, is come to pass and and the and the skewing of wealth no two uh-huh. stories we
0: just did Microsoft yesterday announced to fund with the Green Bay Packers to mm-hmm. cre- locate jobs in Wisconsin, Google a billion dollars I'm sure you saw that Luther um, to create jobs. Um, Kara, don't uh,
2: you take credit for that for your <laughs> Kentucky tour? I heard you down <laughs> there. I know you think that I, It is a I great do. thing to be moving. I those think it's jobs. a lot of yeah.
0: press right now. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I don't think they really mean it, uh, but that's okay. Um, if it works, it works. But I do think it's
2: PR, it's on their part,
0: you know. And I think they're. And, and I think the Mark Zuckerberg's livestock tour of the United States is another part of that.
2: I beg to differ. <laughs>
0: okay, you I saw there. him
2: down in Dallas. Okay. Do it. All right. And I think you know you see him put on his Facebook page every year what he wants to learn. I get it he's an incredibly curious guy and i think it's you know it's it, it's a bit cynical and i know you're you're good at that and there's mm-hmm. a good reason for it because a lot of times these guys tell you things yeah. that're just not true but right I think he realizes that tech is in a bit of a bubble and they need to just like I get it I think he's understand. very earnest
0: I think his essay was very or his 9,000 word essay was very <laughs> earnest about the issue about community but it's sort of like saying some it's someone who caused the problem saying we should do something about the problem that's, that's, it, that to me is like a little, at and least I've, he's
2: doing something
0: I get that but uh, and I don't think he's he's not a particularly PR savvy person as you can see by some of his videos where he should have lighting or something like that like who's not I don't think that's the case with him but I do think it is a to me it's more pandering to people like we'll come and visit you and
1: look at you like you're
0: you know do you know what i mean like nobody comes out to see them.
1: I, I think it's sort of less so. personal and more of a big public policy issue which is how wh- what where are the jobs in the next you know 20 right. years what does grow them when amazon you know da- slaughters retail are they creating more jobs by um, uh, that's providing more distribution yeah. for small businesses or are they really just slaughtering retail? I think that th- these are the questions that, that policymakers and, the, and a more thoughtful president would really be asking and delving into. And I think because they're so loaded right now with all of these other so issues and the impact on the public, before we finish they're the not section, getting that kind of I'm scrutiny. That's what I want to talk
0: about in the next section, what's coming up around mm-hmm. AI, around automation, robotics and things like that because that's all going to be – Legally attract a lot of legal attention yes, very and regulatory. Um, but first, before let's each of you talk about what's coming up this next week with with for tech. Um, what are the key things that are in the in the hearings, and what you think are going to happen there in, in the short term? And then the next section, we'll talk a lot about where it's going. With and can
1: I just amend Carol's question, Beth? For you in particular, if these social media companies are, do they have legal liability? for having sold ads and engaged with these Russian—now I know you don't want to like, prejudge it, but is it just a terrible thing or is it really illegal for them to have had false identities and uh, advertising from outside? And Should people really be worried about prosecution or is this just a, a good government investigation issue?
2: Well, I hope they shouldn't have to worry about prosecution, but of course, you know, we always prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it is illegal, Um, and I I think, you know, there's a—it would be very difficult to make out a criminal case, but unfortunately sometimes when the government isn't motivated to do its highest and best work, uh, people bring cases where they shouldn't. Uh, So I think you have to have it in the back of your mind. You have to be prepared, and again, this is why you have to do your homework before you go into those hearings— I do think, I sound like a Facebook commercial, but Colin Strach, the general counsel, is an extraordinary lawyer and mm-hmm. person. Although and, people
0: are calling that it should have been faced Mark or Cheryl at these hearings.
2: Yeah, I don't get that. I, I mean, I he's a lawyer, and, yeah. you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a visionary, and Cheryl is an extraordinary uh, person. But I think these are complicated legal questions. I certainly don't know the answers, and I know that. The Facebook folks, and I'm sure the other companies, have thought long and hard about these issues, and I think most people don't have the answers. That's why they're having the hearings, but I think they, I think the criminal liability is not at the top of their list, but regulatory issues are, and I think that's as scary for these companies as, as so criminal So what happens next week? Mm-hmm. Preparing for the hearings, I think. I don't know. Probably, Luther, you're better
3: I, I mean, tied into I, this. Frankly, I, I don't think these hearings—I think these— Hearings are inadequate reactions to sort of the s- symptoms of the same problem. The problem is the failure to enforce the antitrust laws and that of concentration. That you know, there's a reason that we didn't have these hearings four, eight years ago is because the internet was more open, it was more pluralistic, and that's just simply not the case today. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to them in that sense. But I don't think, you know, it, I I actually don't know. I, I hope that they're asked. Google at least is asked about. Not money only being paid out, but also paid to Google. But also, uh, sort of the two way street where uh, uh, broadcasts like RT, the Russia Today, Mm -hmm. you know, was one of their premium content providers. So they're doing a rev share; they're getting payouts on that. And so, what for those sort of content creators was there? Were they using that effectively as an ATM to help fund other operations? The other uh, issue is, you know, how did these the organic kind of content creation, that seems to be the real problem. You know, uh, I think uh, uh, there was a really good, Mark Penn had an op-ed, I think, th- this week in the used uh, to work uh, for Microsoft. Wall Street Journal about uh, how you can't win an election with $100,000. And I totally agree with that. I don't think that they're, that you know these, these n- amounts are really substantial. It's this kind of astroturfing that was being done, the creation of these groups and fake accounts and and building kind of whole social ecosystems to nudge other kind of real human beings into believing certain things and voting certain ways.
1: And very smartly, there was a really interesting story that got pretty overlooked yesterday in ABC News from Brian Ross, who's an investigative reporter there, where a group that was traced to Russia called Black Lives mm-hmm. came out and essentially have been organizing across the country. They were doing this all through the election, sowing discord with uh, the status Mm -hmm. quo, discord with President Obama, discord with Hillary Clinton, discord with so-called all the politicians, essentially depressing the vote. And they were not paid uh, advertising. It was all social media content and uh, offline organizing based on social media organizing. And it's fascinating how disruptive things like that Can actually be.
0: So what do you, each of you, very briefly, and then we'll get to our next section, our next part, um, think is going to happen with these hearings? Just they're going to what, Beth?
2: I don't think much. Uh I mean I think they're going to have this dialogue and I think after that Congress doesn't really know what to do because they're not educated enough. And I don't blame them. I mean Mm -hmm. I don't understand. But isn't there Tor browsing and other things people can do all the time to hide their identity? Mm -hmm. So the fact that somehow people use fake identities – with Facebook or Google, right. I just I think it's the nature of the beast that mm-hmm. you can hide mm-hmm. and do things that are disruptive. So nothing
0: and, goes. Just a lot of.
2: Well, I, I mean, there may be a way to regulate that, but I don't. I don't think anyone knows exactly how to do that, and you really have to understand the technology, right. and that's the problem. I don't think the average Congressperson, and I'm sure Luther has spent years trying to educate them. Understands it. I, I'm pretty smart, and I don't understand it. Mm. So I, I think that's that's probably where you know more firepower has to be used. Focus. And Luther, the I, le- I, I agree. I think it'll
3: I think it'll be pretty anticlimactic the hearing itself because you know it's just going to be sort of general counsels uh, saying, oh, we're we're looking hard into this, and we're going to be transparent in the future. And uh, yes, sir, no, sir. But the. Uh, you know, from a legislative standpoint, this Honest Ads Act. I, you know, I hope it does uh, spur a broad bipartisan discussion because there's far more that these platforms can be doing beyond uh, adhering to this button and pencil baseline that they're currently held to. Uh, in terms of disclosure on their political ads.
0: Well, you know, Luther, they're not very powerful. That's what they tell me every day. Sorry, Beth, but they do. It's really exhausting. Right. Well, in the other issue Billionaires tell you they're not powerful.
1: Congress may not know how to regulate them, but are they smart enough to identify enough incentives for them to self-regulate?
0: Right. And that's the big issue. So we're going to talk about that going forward because there's a lot of stuff that's going to need a lot of government involvement and probably a lot of problems going forward and solutions that are needed to figure it out. We're here with Luther Lowe from Yelp, uh, who does their lobbying for them, and Beth Wilkinson, who is a trial lawyer who has represented companies, who have been against companies, and who's a lot about what's coming down the pike for tech companies in Washington. And we're here with my co-host, Hillary Rosen who we're going to talk about what's coming next. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask, which I host with Lauren Good of The Verge.
2: Hi, it's me, and I'm not a bot. You are, a bot. <laughs> or I'm real. Else. I'm not a lizard person. Uh, you
0: know, I question that on a daily basis. Uh, every Friday, we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, what did we talk about this week? I'm going to turn it over to Recode's
2: uh, politics editor, Tony Rom. Is that Are you a politics mm-hmm. editor? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Why not? Basically, do it. It all. What did we talk <laughs> a
0: about? A this politics week? guru.
3: <laughs> well, other than talking about lizard people, we talked about uh, Russian interference in the 2016 election and how Facebook, Google, and Twitter are set to testify about it on Capitol Hill uh, on November 1st.
2: Right. And that's
0: going to be what? A watershed? What? Give, uh, give a it's, big... it's either going to be really boring or kind of a
1: mess for these companies. Either way, they don't want to be there. So now, it's going to be a Tech companies
0: a have a history of it. Like Jerry Yang on that China committee. You don't remember that, but I do. It was not good. <laughs> it did not turn out well. For most companies... They go to Capitol Hill, their tech companies don't do well. Bill Gates.
3: Yeah, I would say that they were going to be heavily lawyered up, but the people who are testifying are the general counsels of Facebook, Google, and Twitter. So the lawyers are there.
0: The lawyers are there. It's a very legal discussion. Very legal. It was a really great discussion with, uh, with Tony, if you want to hear about all what's going on, not just about that, but other things around these social media companies and politics. And we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Recode Decode. We're talking to Luther Lowe from Yelp and Beth Wilkinson, who is a well-known trial lawyer in Washington who deals with a lot of tech companies and issues around what is coming up for them going forward. And one of the issues – we've talked a lot about issues that are happening now around Russia, around uh, legislation around ads – around, uh, you mentioned James Damore and diversity and other kinds of issues. Um, But let's talk about what's coming next, because I think what Hillary referenced a little bit was the idea around automation, around robotics, uh, around self-driving cars, around artificial intelligence. These are all things that the government is going to have to be necessarily involved in for many things. Can you each sort of talk about what you think the most important issues Uh, going forward, are for tech to think about from a legal and and regulatory point of view? Beth, why don't you start?
2: Well, I had one that you didn't list. It's not as sexy, but I think it'll be a huge issue, which is online gambling. Ah, okay, yes, of course. There's a sports case in front of the Supreme Court where Mm -hmm. New Jersey Governor Christie was trying to do sports gambling, and, uh, you know, the repercussions, if that is allowed— will have a huge impact. Explain what they would be. So it would allow people to bet online, and we know what that does because we see it overseas. Um, I'm working on an investigation. It's public where I'm one of the judges for professional tennis. They're looking into corruption there, and there's online and legal betting all around the world. And so, you know, places like Russia come in and put big bets down on everything from, you know, do you win the match to do you go deuce two times? And there's a lot of pressure on these individual players because there's a lot of money at stake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's facilitated really by the internet. And that's not allowed here in the US. And if it is, I think it'll transform all of these companies. It'll be, you know, and there'll be a lot of interest because there'll be a lot of money and you're tying sports, the that's internet and money yeah. together, yeah, which is really in cool. the US, a huge combination. And I'm not sure, you know, then you have a real profit motive that is going to make people want to hold on to this. I think that's going to be an issue. We saw it with FanDuel's. Remember, a couple years Mm -hmm. ago, the Attorney General of New York investigated, kind of petered out. They cooperated. But depending on how this this case goes, I think that could be a huge issue for the companies. And And what's
0: against the idea of doing that here, legislatively?
2: I think the potential corruption, and we've always had, you know, sports gambling in Las Vegas, so it's a little difficult to say, why do they get in another's? But there's more regulation there. And I think people are worried about all the different states doing it, you know, and you're going to have this corruption. I mean, with gambling comes corruption.
0: Right. Okay. And what else? But that's a really excellent point.
2: I think uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, Eyes. another, you know, where the money is and are those securities? Those are big issues for these companies. And then I think what you're talking about, VR, um, AR, those things are, I think, we don't understand them back here in Washington, but we at least have an idea. mm mm-hmm. Um, And I think people understand driverless cars are like cars, (laughs) so we need regulation. Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be the same challenge, though. How do we figure out how to regulate that tech is – usually far ahead of the government. so
0: Especially if it's on a state level versus a federal level, because there's certain laws that have to be in, say, self-driving. Um, and they're also linked with jobs, as Hillary was pointing out.
2: Right. You might have a regulatory scheme like you do in, uh, you know, the FDA where you have a federal scheme, mm-hmm. or you may go state by state. And if you have state by state, like you normally do for driving, you can have some real difficulties for the companies. Especially because it's more lobby complicated. Lobby 50 states and, right, come out with different rules. And how do they make the cars, you know, kind of, meet the regulations. If you have 50 sets of regulations, most companies want a federal scheme. It's easier for them. Sure. Luther? I
3: I would go back to the last major disruption, I would argue, was uh, DOJ versus Microsoft when uh, you had effectively, uh, even though people sort of remember that as this sort of stalemate where the government came in too little too late and, oh, you know, we stopped using Microsoft anyway. You sometimes hear that oxygenated the market because suddenly Microsoft product managers couldn't just say, huh, I'm going to bulldoze into this uh, adjacent business vertical today. And so I, you know, coincidentally, you have uh, six months after that case is launched, uh, you have uh, Google is born 1998. And I think Microsoft could have very easily strangled Google in the crib in 98 because it had dominance at an over 90% share in Internet Explorer. And so... Antitrust uh, enforcement, if I think, is desperately needed because the dynamics today are that these firms are really sitting on massive data moats. And so if you think about the next wave for AI and form factor shifting to kind of voice-based technology, if you don't have the... Which they o- dominate. Exactly. Which
0: Google and Facebook pretty, and Amazon dominate.
3: If you don't have that kind of oxygenating uh, enforcement uh, happening then you could easily see these firms just get more consolidated, get more dominant, more deeply entrenched. And so I think that that uh, is a major test. You know, Microsoft was almost 20 years ago before that, uh, you yeah, know, was, was IBM. And then, yeah, before that was AT&T. And each – it's like this 20-year cycle where government action or threat of action can create this oxidating effect. And we're at one of these inflection points, I'd argue – and if we're not, uh, if, if we don't enforce the antitrust laws, then that could lead to just more deeply entrenched dominance. I am excited about um, cryptocurrency and Coinbase just because it seems like if that kind of uh, takes off in the way that sort of the people have said it sort of is almost like TCPIP was, it could create sort of a new medium for, for value exchange, which really could fundamentally disrupt and change how. Uh, how we consume content and how we are doing this, but it's in such early stages and it's very speculative now, so it's hard to say, uh, you know, where that goes. But I, I, I'm genuinely fearful uh, that this is just going to get kind of darker and more dystopian, and tech becomes more ever present if we're uh, if we're not willing to kind of you know use our antitrust laws. Have you, have
0: you seen Blade Runner 2049? I just interviewed Jared Leto from it.
1: Well, and and are we at a point where government is still capable of regulating. So regardless of your political views, there are literally hundreds of thousands of civil servants in this country who work at the Department of Justice on the civil side and the criminal side, at the Consumer Product Safety Commission, at the um, Securities and Exchange Commission, at the Consumer Financial Protection Board. At the um, Civil Rights Commission, at the Federal Trade Commission, you think about all at the you know, the National uh, Highway and, and Transportation Safety Board for mm-hmm. self-driving cars Securities and exchange. Commission. Um, they, you think of, of, you know, 20 or, or more federal agencies with thousands and thousands and thousands of, quote, "regulators looking at various businesses, all of which are being disrupted now by tech and innovation? And do they have the capacity to keep up?
2: Well, I think they're trying. And Luther thinks the big thoughts, I think the small thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think some of these investigations come together in the regulatory when there's a front page issue. So opiates, right, is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. So who transports those now? They get translated pharmacies online and Amazon. Mm -hmm. So if you're upset about Amazon and you don't know how to regulate Amazon otherwise, but you're mad about opiates, you could drag Amazon into that. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that's of... That's a really good point. And so th- I think those investigations and those regulations are going to come in that way. Um, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, you know, Senator Warren's favorite little uh, bureau, has been trying to regulate um, kind of, you know, l- online lending. Mm-hmm. And now they're going after the, the Indian tribes. So, you know, they're, but that's because they want to go after online lending. And that's their way of getting at the internet. So all these things, I don't know that they're going to know how to regulate the big issues, but I think they will go after them on these issues that are kind of more conventional that they understand. And there's plenty of those. And there's plenty of those. Now, because these companies are in the middle of all our commerce, you can drag these just like you're dragging in Google and Facebook on the ads. You know, they're not really the source of the problem, but because they're, excuse me, the conveyor, Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get dragged in. So that's how I think a lot of these issues are going to come in the future just because they very are smart. so big and they are in the middle of every issue. So before smart. we
0: finish up, I want to talk about a couple more things very briefly. One is Europe. Marguerite Vestager is certainly not backing down. And she she's not shy. She's not shy and she's on – she's – turns out the world is turning towards her, what she was saying. What do you imagine happens in Europe, each of you really briefly? And then I want to go through each of the companies and what you think their biggest challenge from a legislative or regulatory point of view is. And then Hillary might have a final question. But uh, so just very briefly, Europe.
2: I really don't know. I don't think I'm the one that's qualified. I think you're right that their regulators are... Are have been more pers- persistent. And I think they will be compared to the and U.S. Privacy, because of the administration. Everything. And privacy is such a huge issue in Europe. But also our administration is, you know, Luther is going to be disappointed because there's not going to be a lot of antitrust enforcement mm-hmm. in this administration, I don't think. No.
3: I, so uh, I think what Commissioner Vestager in Brussels is doing is really exciting. Um, uh, you know, I I think that the day before she announced her big record fine against Google, there was a slew of U.S. companies that basically sent her a love letter saying, gosh, thank you for uh, doing this. We sure wish our FTC would do this and we don't consider this protectionism. And every time I go to Brussels and I sit down with her team, uh, there's like another U.S., uh, somebody representing a U.S. tech firm walking out of the conference room. And, and that's the little secret about Brussels is it's U.S. firms are having to go to Europe to seek relief that this is not protectionism. This is a venue uh, where they enforce their antitrust laws. And I, I would also make a distinction between enforcing antitrust and, and regulation. Uh, on the point earlier, antitrust is the antidote to regulation. If you enforce antitrust, you don't have to regulate. And I and so I think that the taxes is a separate issue, like mm-hmm. the, the tax uh, stuff. But on antitrust, I think you now have a situation where European consumers are poised to enjoy better protections than U.S. consumers. And that's going to create a political forcing mechanism for state AGs uh, for – Which you're going to see a lot of I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, at least happy that we have a blank slate at the FTC, although you're right. It is a sort of kind of traditional Republican mold. So. You know, time will tell in the US FTC.
1: On the regulation front, uh, the state attorneys general around the country uh, have increasing resources in some of these big states, and and you're right, we haven't talked about them as mm-hmm. as either enforcers or prosecutors yet, but they, Which is, they'll be very active.
0: Absolutely. Which one do you think?
1: Well, I think you look at New York okay. and Eric Schneiderman. You look at Illinois. You look at California. They're
2: all in the opiate um, crisis. If you look at that, they're the
1: ones great. bringing the Pennsylvania, they, they have resources. They have big offices. and They're Democrats. And yeah. they're Democrats.
0: All right. Last question, and then Hillary might have a last question. Each of the companies, their biggest issue they face. Uh, so let's go through them. Uh, and each of you, and either you both can answer or individually. Whoever doesn't have an answer, Apple.
2: I think they're in a good place, uh,
0: unless there's some encryption thing that pops up. Right.
2: In. I mean, that's always going to be an issue for them, and they've taken a principled stand. I think um, because they're a hardware provider, basically, and they've kind of stayed above the fray. They're they're in a very good place. Um, I think it's their competitors who've gotten so big. I mean, Amazon's biggest problem is that it's so big and so good. All right, Microsoft
3: doesn't register. I think they're <laughs> it's I mean, so funny. They used not to be as, so evil. Yeah, they're their not. Their stock price um, is doing great. Yeah, yeah. I think Sundar and uh the, the CEOs of Google and, and Microsoft sort of buried the hatchet and so that uh, famous beef has kind of gone oh, by it's the over. wayside. Yeah, yeah.
1: You got to go back to Apple on two issues though. One is just this issue of jobs and whether they mm-hmm. really can right. sustain their overseas manufacturing relative to domestic and the other are potential antitrust issues, complaints from the other companies around their dominance on the app store, and whether they can continue to to yeah. um, keep such a tight hold on that.
0: Although that seems rather quaint now, doesn't it? <laughs> Considering all the other issues, uh, Google. I'm not going to give you Google, but okay, you can have, you can go ahead.
2: I mean, Google are their ads. I mean, their their, their best revenue is going to be their biggest problem, and it's what they're facing with Congress right now. And I don't think that's going to go away either. All right. Luther, go ahead.
3: Well, today when a mom does a search for a pediatrician in Washington, D.C., she's seeing this sort of Google Plus box at the top. And I think that is a way where Google is directly harming consumers, and that's really the the smoking gun that the FTC missed. And I think when Vesteyer looked at the, the same set of evidence, they decided to move forward. And so that's where I think uh, they're potentially exposed is, is on these antitrust issues because you can show direct consumer harm.
0: All right. Uh, Facebook.
2: I think I'm too biased. To say All right.
0: And Mark's the, a nice guy. Go ahead. You know, Facebook. <laughs> yes. I agree with you on that one.
3: I think the the thing that's a little bit concerning about Facebook to me is you, you've uh read these stories about they just acquired T B H and uh you know they sort of cloned all of uh Snapchat's features and, and they admitted quite publicly about doing it. Yeah. And so again I think that these are just Google sim-
2: copied everyone too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's good old yeah. fashioned American competition. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I think Facebook has a content
1: problem. I think Facebook has a content problem that will stretch their credibility over time. Who is posting and what can we trust about what they say? And I think their risk is that it becomes so polluted, that the that the system becomes so polluted with content that people don't trust or don't know where it comes from. They seem to be... Focused on trying to deal with that, mm-hmm. but, but I don't think there that's because people more.
2: are treating them like they're more like a conventional media source. They, are, they, I mean, that's they are they a media think company, about, but, but they deny they are that and they aren't. They, they say do. they're
1: a tech company, but they are a media.
0: But that's I don't right. get
2: to go to um, you know ABC News and put up what I think. Right. So it isn't the same. As it's a, a different kind
0: of media company, it, but it really it's a media is. company. They do try to. Shy, Hillary said they try to pretend they're a benign platform. I, this is a word I use yeah. all the time. I,
2: I don't know. I don't know that they're benign. But my point. Oh, I don't think they're benign Much more. I know you don't. You don't think anyone's benign? No, I don't. Um, that's good. I think you're not benign at all. I'm not benign. <laughs> at, you are so right. Um, I but then pr- neither are you. I yeah, don't pretend to be. Come that's on. true. Fair um, but I think that it's different when everyone's putting their own content or what they would call their own yes. content up because then you get into that's First Im- Amendment issues very quickly. Yeah, it's the implicit promise of the um, Well, and
1: again, I think all of these issues are is there a legal issue or is there a moral responsibility or is there a public policy issue? And the intersection of those three issues going forward I think right. are what's going
2: to be our La-
0: most challenge. Last one for me, Twitter. We didn't talk about them at all, but – the president's
2: favorite. He coin. saved that company. <laughs> he <sort of> Single-handedly <laughs> saved, saved, saved and Twitter. Saved and ruined it. Yeah.
0: So, any issues there besides viability as a business?
2: Right. Well, I think that's a pretty big issue. Mm-hmm. You know, regulatory issues are kind of a luxury mm-hmm. if you oh. if you don't think you're going to stay in business.
3: Uh, I'm eager to see what their kind of plan of self-governance, attacking these uh, fake accounts and trolling, uh, will be because that's clearly just dogged them forever. I, I think just. I mean, their market caps, what something like thirty billion. I mean, they're like a tenth or a twentieth of the size of these these companies, and and not a lot of. I but mean, they get all, a lot of attention because they, they do because the all the media. Yeah. Well, all, and the all media all the and the people. people in the media use it, and I think that's the reason we even include them in the same breath. But but really, there's just not as much data. There's not as much influence, and so I think that gives them some inoculation from this.
1: I think that's probably the most important thing about Twitter and the least used thing about Twitter is that it is essentially of all of them the most uh, used by elites mm-hmm. than any other communications mechanism. Elites don't communicate with each other on Facebook in the same way. No, not at it's all.
0: Not. Hillary, last question? We um, to wrap it up.
1: Well, I'm curious whether you think this is, you know, in in a year, our dinner table, is dinner table talk in Washington still going to be about the tech industry or is this going to fade?
2: I don't think it will fade. It may not be these same issues we've been talking about. But again, they've transformed the economy and, you know, Washington follows the money and they're going to talk about the companies that are really affecting, you know, their, their constituents' lives and that's these companies.
3: I totally agree with that.
2: All right. Thank you. So I love much. that. Let's great. end on that. Let's on
0: that. Let's. But there'll be
2: plenty of business <laughs> for you both.
0: I think. I suspect, <laughs> including you, Hillary Rosen. Hillary, thank you so much for co-hosting. Thanks this. for having You're me. You're going to. We have many to go. Looking forward to. Very it. exciting. I, you know, and you could take my job at any time. I can see that. Obviously. All right, Luther and Beth, it was great also talking to you, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Kara. We appreciate it. These are big issues. We're going to bring you guys back, and we're so figure it out in, in a little bit after things. See what happens. If you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with people like Leonardo da Vinci author Walter Isaacson and Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman, who's your boss. Um, and in last November, I interviewed Hillary as well as the Republican political consultant Juliana Glover on this show. So you can go and look at that. You can find all those episodes and more wherever you found this one or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. Now that you're done with this, check out some of our other shows on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You'll hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I host Two Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Recode Decode. Thanks also to Cadence 13, the company that distributes the show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here at my usual time on Monday, and then Hillary and I will be back next Wednesday with another great guest. Tune in then.
3: Hey, Recode Decode
2: fans, this is Sarah Cliff with a new podcast suggestion for you. It's called The Impact, and every week we have stories about real people. I got pregnant two months after I graduated high school. It was not (laughs) planned. We look at the policies that shape those people's lives. Too often here in D.C., we stop talking about laws after they pass. But on The Impact, we will follow those policies out into the real world where all of us live. It's just fantastic. It's just great. Subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you like the most.